seven defeats in 10 in the championship for Norwich City. Most goals conceded, free falling down the championship table. David Wagner remains at the wheel for now. But how do Norwich City get themselves out of an almighty rut that they find themselves in? Welcome to the latest edition of the Pinkin.com Norwich City podcast in association with Future Radio. I'm your host, Connor Southwell, joined by Paddy Davitt. And we meet uh, after, and I'll, I'll tell you the time we're recording this because things could change, events, dear boy, events, uh, half past one on a Sunday to uh, dissect and reflect on a dismal Norwich City defeat away at Sunderland. 3-1 loss compounds all of the issues um, that they have at this moment in time. And as I said, Paddy, David Wagner may remain at the wheel, but the wheels have well and truly come off. Yeah, so I wasn't building up the suspense. I was just looking for the unmute button there, Connor. Um, yeah, no, it's end of the line stuff. I think as we both kind of went with in our various post-match outlooks and reflections, and uh, it, it's hard to escape that, that he has as a head coach in charge of Norwich City, probably reached the end of his usefulness. And uh, and it's now increasingly about the what next and who's framing that what next and, and, what, and what it looks like. Because um, you said it there in the, in the intro, seven defeats in 10. For all the obvious mitigation with certain injuries to key players, um, that's that's way below 17th in the table as as we stand you know is a long way short of we have a group of players under a head coach who are capable of challenging for promotion so you know and the manner of it again you know the fact that they even went ahead against Sunderland it wasn't a situation like midweek uh, Middlesbrough or some of the other games where they're trying to make up ground and you can see the brittleness and the lack of confidence and it's well they're falling behind fresh adversity, this group won't be able to deal with it. No, they actually got their noses in front. Um, having had to dig in and, and probably get into that in due course about the, the sort of way he went structurally in terms of the lineup and the, and the approach, very circumspect. But in terms of a, a, what you want as an away team, you, you managed to soak up what Sunderland were offering in that first quarter and then scored a very good goal on the counter. And even in that setting where you won the up, creating one or two chances thereafter, they, they were not able to even get to half-time ahead. And and then thereafter, second half was everything that is wrong with, with it in terms of the lack of energy, intensity, lack of ideas. It, again, this feeling that he's just throwing players into the mix now. I mean, they ended up with Adam Ida, Wang, Nunes, Borja Sainz and Onel Hernandez on the pitch. And you end up with Kenny McLean at centre-back and he's involved sadly, in the in the, the match-sealing goal from the penalty spot for Sunderland. Just everything that, f- that could go wrong is, is, is summed up and typified by that performance. Um, and then, obviously, you know, we speak to David after the game and, and he looked a beaten man. I've, I've said that after the game immediately, just his body language, so downcast, so damn beat, avoiding eye contact, you know, when he was responding to questions. Everything that isn't normally him. He normally is such a positive enthusiastic character um, and and he looked beaten really so of course he'll he'll, he'll plug on until he's told otherwise but it, it increasingly feels with Blackburn at Car Road now to come a week today that uh, you know it's when rather than if and uh, you know that's ultimately I think where this club has got themselves to and um, it isn't all rest in in, in one Head coach, because I'm sure changing the head coach, Gary Gowers has 
written an excellent piece um, earlier today on MFW. I'd advise you to go and, 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 di- and digest that. And it, it sort of maps out that it isn't just about replacing the head coach. This is bigger. This is deeper. It's a malaise. And um, and it has been for pertinently, because we're, we're, we're more or less two, two years on now from Stuart Webber sat in a dressing room at Brentford, dispensing with the services of Daniel Farker. And from that point onwards, on the pitch, and you have to say off the pitch, um, it hasn't been good. The product hasn't been good. Failure. That Premier League season, failure. Last season in the Championship, failure this season. And everything they've tried to do hasn't worked. And and really now it it's going to be a reset because by definition, Stuart Webber will depart at some point between now and the end of this year. And Ben Napper will come in. And we know above that, the situation with, with the Americans and increasing their shareholding. So there is change. There is change on the way. We are in a period of change, but it feels like it needs a, a, a top to bottom reset. And that, um, you know, every aspect of this football club, I think need they need to refresh it and renew it and inject some energy and some dynamism because at the minute it's just... Um, you know, I think you said in one of your video verdicts, it's a bit of a sleepwalk into into um, into a, a dark place, um, from which you know it could get a lot worse. Uh, certainly in terms of league status, you know they've, they've been there before. Club not too far away who who are clearly going in the opposite direction. They've been there before. You know these things can happen if you don't arrest the regressive trends, um, which you know have been there now for two years really. So uh, this isn't in a a new situation it's more of the same and um you know it will it will end inevitably with david wagner's dismissal at some point um but it doesn't end there it's gonna have to take more than a new head coach it basically needs a as i say for me um quite a major reset and ben napper has got a hell of a job on his hands Yes, indeed. And uh, and we will dissect all of those relevant strands that Paddy has, has kind of picked out already there in terms of the, the structure of the club, David Wagner in particular. But I think it's it's right that we, we do start with the game and we do talk a little bit about the game because there was a game of football to be played uh, yesterday. Norwich City were, were beaten 3-1 by, by Sunderland pretty comprehensively in the end, to be honest. They they took they took the lead, um, which I think shocked us all. And <laughs> when, uh, when Callum Fisher, who was one of the, the few bright sparks of a, a, of a dismal day at the Stadium of Light, um, used Gabriel Sarra's kind of offside run, I guess, as a little bit of a decoy to latch onto a, a ball, cut it back for Huang Yuzhou, who again, I, I felt in patches was was pretty good yesterday um, to put Norwich one up. And then from there, Paddy, it was a, a, a regular story. Three goals, three really soft goals from a Norwich City perspective. Um, a really interesting approach. David Wagner went for a 4-5-1. It was a containment mission, um, which is fine until you start losing the game. And then it becomes a rescue mission. You don't necessarily have the tools or the mindset to, to change that and I think we saw that on a few occasions with with Chris Hutton when when he was in charge at Norwich City and how difficult that can be to to spring from one approach to the other they didn't do that successfully and then obviously it's an individual error at the end by Shane Duffy that, that the brilliant Jack Clark seizes upon and, and Kenny McLean playing as the centre back at that point um, concedes a penalty. David Wagner came out after the game and described it as an okay performance um, that feels generous to me it's been and actually I think you can look at the week as, as a whole really starting with Leeds ending with um, 
ending with, with Sunderland. By the way, I, I did predict Norwich to get zero points in the last podcast we did from those two games, but I don't want to shout about it too much. So it's, how, many, it's... how many did I go for? Two, did you? Did you go for two or one? I can't remember. Oh. I, I think I think Adam went for three, you went for two, Sam, or you might have gone for one, actually. I can't remember, but uh, they've ended up they've ended up with nil. Um, well done, Connor. Is, a rare, a rare is... prediction we got right as a collective. I know, I know. It's incredible, isn't it? Um one I'd rather have got wrong, to be honest, but there we go. But the, this week, Paddy, is, uh, the story has been similar collapses in different ways, similar performances in similar ways, similar deficiencies in similar ways. The run of form, as, as we've spoken about, is is horrendous. I think increasingly people are, are just wondering when somebody at Norwich City is going to wake up and realise what they're in at the moment, because for every day that this goes on and limps on and it can limp on till Blackburn and Norwich might win there, but the long-term picture as you've mapped out doesn't look any different. It's, it's every day that it kind of passes is a acceptance of where they're at, whether that's, whether that's the intention or whether it's not, that is the, the, the action of not going about with, with change. And I don't know, is, is this kind of view and it's, and it's a correct view. It's, it's accurate that there's so much change afoot. Therefore we can't change anything at the moment until that change has happened. Is that credible? Is that is that a position that can hold at this moment in time with Norwich City's form as, as as bad as it is at this moment in time? Well, I mean, if that's essentially, can they do anything before Ben Napper walks in the building? Then, then the answer is absolutely it can. Um, if it is, as I say, re- the removal of David Wagner, but the removal of David Wagner uh, and the commencement of another search for another head coach, which would be that be four in, in two years, that that doesn't cut it because I think it's worth stressing, you know, they inherit the same group of players who are underperforming massively and have done. And I know it's not the same, exactly the same group of players because, you know, we were told in the summer that they'd addressed some of those mentality issues with some of the signings. They're still there. They're still there. So for me, there's, there's players in that building who've been in the building for two years and more. Um, really have, have to look themselves in the mirror and are they doing enough because for me they're failing massively and and okay it'll be David Wagner as it was Dean Smith before him as it was Daniel Farker before him they'll carry the can that's the nature of it you know it's the head coach who's the the front person and and if you're a player you'll probably say well you know look what do you expect look how he's setting this up look what he's asking us to do you know look at um how open we are look at uh, how easy it is to create chances against all of that is true but you know, it's the same head coach who presided over one defeat from the opening eight games um, when presumably he was making the same demands on them tactically and, and in terms of what he wanted them to do in and out of possession. It's too easy for a player to sit there and uh, and, and push it all in the direction of David Wagner. And, that, and that's my concern is that he's gone. It's just a case of when um, rather than if. But the new incumbent, uh, they inherit the same group of players. So now you could say, well, is that is that... Are the players not good enough? And maybe maybe a few too many of them are, and the balance is wrong that we've tipped too far the other way. Go on, Con. I, I, I just I, I get the argument of uh, which which is and you're right, they're 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 underperforming. However you cut it there, they're underperforming. But I don't buy the this squad is is seventeenth in the championship bad. I, I can I, I think you can make a case that they're a mid table championship team, but they're not one that should be three points off twenty first in the table and and looking over their shoulders. The the quality that they have in in that dressing room and, and just your point on the players, I thought that it was really poor yesterday, actually, that uh, and, and how these things are decided, I don't know, but 
I personally felt a senior pro- professional should have been coming out and and speaking after that performance. Be it Kenny McLean, be it Shane Duffy, be it Ben Gibson, be it any of those experienced pros in that dressing room. It shouldn't have been up to Huang Yuzhou, who's a lone player who um, really hasn't hasn't done particularly well in, in English football so far. Yes, he scored his, his first goal. I get there was a positive narrative there, but. I, I felt it. Were, he shouldn't have been the player that was that was put up to to speak about. So for all of the attention that is on David Wagner, and and quite rightly, ultimately the buck stops with him. The group is underperforming tactically; they're all over the place. I think when you produce a performance as Norwich did yesterday, where you kind of abandon everything that made you successful as a head coach in terms of pressing and intensity and aggressiveness, and you go to that, which is essentially chasing a result. But There's you know, no long you know that, that. Sorry, Connor, to cut across, but you know what that is. As you're talking there, I'm thinking about it. It's Farker in his final Carrow game against Leeds, where he completely abandoned his slavish adherence to four-two-three-one and possession. Pumping the ball. Once you go that, you're done. You're done as a head coach because you because you cannot. It's not sustainable to go and chase short-term results by essentially trying to put men behind the ball and completely changing what you're about. If you lose that identity. I just don't see what you have left. Even you could, you could even say, and I know people want to argue about Dean Smith's footballing philosophy, but even that last game at Luton where he played a free at the back and it was stodgy and horrendous and it didn't look well coached. Same with Norwich, really. I mean, the the defensive numbers at the moment are horrendous. They're bottom in the championship in terms of expected goals against. They concede so many big chances. Not all of it because of the way they're set up. To be fair, you only have to look at what Shane Duffy did yesterday for, for the third goal. There are individual mistakes that are contributing to that as well but just everything about Norwich City on the pitch at this moment in time feels broken I mean I was listening to, to Canary Call as I often do on my I'm, I'm a glutton for, for punishment so I like to do that uh, on, a, on a Sunday morning on my, on my dog walk and Stephen Elliott I thought was was excellent on there to be fair former Norwich um, former Norwich striker um, and and he he was speaking how in, in his view and it is only his view he felt some of the players had had given up towards the end of that game, how there wasn't the same willingness to track back and recover. I mean, some of this is on the players as well, Paddy, isn't it? In terms of the responsibility that they take as a really senior dressing room, because as, as David Wagner highlighted yesterday, it's the senior professionals that are, that are as culpable for this as, as anybody else. Couldn't agree more. Yeah. And um, as I say, you know, it is a different mix this, this time around, but there are, Characters in that dressing room who've been there for the last three seasons and more now, they stank out the Premier League, they stank out the Championship to to finish you know a long way short of the top six in the final analysis last season, and um, and the seventeenth as we sit here now, and um, you know that's different head coaches in all of those three fa- three phases I've talked about there. The common denominator is a lot of the same players, and that isn't a free pass for for the managers. Yes, of course, David Wagner needs to be getting more out of the available resource as Dean Smith, as Daniel Farker, um, towards the back end there. Um, but you cannot dismiss that part of the, as we we try and problem solve this, or, or try and at least a portion where things are unravelling, of course we can get into the hierarchical aspects of Stuart Webber still being there, but is he still you know, fully plugged in and the Ben Napper situation and all of that, which, you know, contrary to, you know, as David Wagner wasn't going to say anything different when I asked him on Friday, but it isn't a distraction. He said it isn't underpinning this poor cycle of results, but it doesn't help. It doesn't help this sense because externally it feels like a club in limbo, um, you know, a club Brothers. drifting and, and and they will counter that until, until they're blue in the face. But that's how it projects outwards. And, um, 
all of those are factors. But if in, if we're narrowing the focus to why are they so poor at the moment, the players have to take full responsibility from that. You know, now in contrast to as I say, one win, one sorry, one defeat from the first eight. We're looking at that recruitment in the summer again, and Fashnacht, uh, Duffy, you know, even Stacey dropped yesterday. Um, Danny Bart, Adam Forshaw. You question again this recruitment, as as we know, famously the recruitment was questioned going into the second the second tilt at the Premier League, and um, you know, and, and, and ultimately, it doesn't look like it's had the desired effect as we sit here right now. You know, seven defeats in ten, so. You know, there's a myriad of factors in play. There's so many strands that need to be pulled together. And and there's still, even once you do all that, there's probably still just some intangibles. You know, why are they falling the wrong side of it in so many situations? But for me, it, it does all come back to the same point that really from the point Daniel Farker departed, um, it feels like, and I wrote about this ahead of Daniel's return the other day, for Stuart Webber, it just feels... You know, something died that day in terms of the project and the purity of it and what they were standing for. You know, you look at the recruitment this past summer, you look at that squad profile now, that's so far removed from what Stuart Webber came in on that ticket. In fact, it's basically what he inherited, which he was very keen to get away from. Yet we're back here again. The style of play, you know, what this Norwich DNA was and how they wanted to play football and what they stood for and how every team below the senior team would want to play in a similar vibe what's this now? What is this that's been served up? And it just feels, you know, increasingly um, it's hoping for something to change rather than as it was when it was really good under Weber and really good under Farker. We're so clear in what we're trying to achieve with this football club. And yes, there's challenges, huge challenges to overcome in terms of the financial, financial picture and almost they had no choice but to go down the route of youth development and trusting young players and exposing them earlier than they probably should have been. But but there was there was such a, a an uncluttered thinking or thought process, sorry, to, to what they were trying to achieve. And it came together perfectly and, and the results were, as we know, you know, two attempts in the Premier League and in a sense that they were ahead of the curve. They're so far behind the curve now. I mean you you look how, I know they got beat at the weekend, but Middlesbrough, when they came to Carrow last weekend and under Michael Carrick and that what they're trying to do, it's clear. You you can see an identity to what they're all about as a football club. I think Tony Mowbray is trying to instil that in Sunderland as well. You talked about excellent young players like Clark um, and Plymouth, you know, earlier in the season. I know it's going to be a hell of a struggle for them to sort of kick on from what they did in League One, but they've they've come up with an identity that what they're all about. They understand it. The players, the coaching staff, it feels maybe off the pitch as well. We got the sense, you know, at home park that just off the pitch that they're, they're all as one. They're all pulling in the same direction. Um and there we say, you know, Ipswich as well, even from afar, you know, what they're doing is 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 clearly signaling it's a club rallying behind McKenna and his leadership and uh, everybody's buying into it. Supporters club personnel, players, coaches, the people above them in positions of power. Can you honestly say on the evidence of the last two years that is the case mm-hmm. at Norwich City Football Club? It, it's so far removed from it. And and we know that because we can contrast it with how good it was 18-19, even, 20, even the, the, the Premier League season, albeit it was a failure, but there was... There was periods there where it was good, and 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 then it, and then the following season, albeit behind closed doors with the pandemic, but again, you know, a club who 
We know what we're about. We know what we're striving to achieve. We're all on the same page. That That isn't where this club has been in the last two years. And, you know, symptomatic of that is is what we're now seeing or what we're not seeing really on the football pitch um, in terms of performances and results. And uh, as I say, you know, yes, there will be a head coach change at some point in, in the near future. But uh, Ben Napa really, really... It's a cultural change, I think, is what we need now. It's a cultural shift um, and just an identity. You know, what what are Norwich all about? What are they striving to achieve? What are they as a football team uh, and as a, a set of players and a head coach? And, you know, until we get that, then I think it's going to be a fairly rocky road. I really do. It's, it's it's a rejection of the process, isn't it? That's that's what's gone. It's 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 a chase for results, which is, as you said, when Stuart Weber came in, and that would there was the idea was you meant to move away from that. It was meant to be about building structures, building um, plans, building future proofing, I guess, in in many ways, but also uh, having a clear playing identity. Well, that's gone. Norwich don't have that anymore. Having players that excite and grow and um, leave the club. Uh, and, and earn them a lot of money in doing so. Well, beyond Gabriel Sara and John Rowe, uh, there's there's nobody in a yellow and green shirt at the moment that is doing that, um, <clears throat> nor many in, in, in this summer's recruitment who have a huge sell-on anyway. We kind of got trapped in the, in the 2017 cycle again. It, it feels like there's become this obsession with getting promoted without a plan as to actually how they're going to do that. It's just kind of throwing enough mud at the walls and, and hoping something sticks. And I, And I guess... Paddy, because we, we can we can speak about David Wagner and we can speak about his position, his shortcomings. I think everyone is on the same page now. That That is a head coach that is on the thinnest of ice. He's not going to last. There will be a change at one stage, at some stage. So then it then the spotlight gets shone upon the people higher than that. Or A, you know, as you say, we're, we're sat here, we're, nearly, we're not quite 24 hours at the full-time whistle. Something could yet still happen. Um, it hasn't yet. But you could say, why hasn't that change been been made yet? When everyone can, can can see that for various reasons, but I think deeper than that, you referenced Stuart Weber. There's been some some reports that emerged uh, early on Sunday morning that his Norwich City exit could be accelerated in the next couple of weeks. We understand that's not going to be the case, and that he will be here as as you mapped out earlier uh, when Ben Napper arrives. But the general governance and, and structures that you've got a sporting director who resigned in March, um, still in position but also having overseen what was a crucial summer for, for the football club, having taken the recruitment down a, a very special path that was kind of against everything that had gone before it. They hadn't signed a, a, an outfield player over 30 before this summer. They've now, they're going to have seven by, by Christmas of, of the new recruits. Um, a head coach who's on a one-year rolling deal, again, kind of directing that style of play. I, I get that there's change. But that, that shouldn't be allowed to excuse kind of what has happened in, in recent months, should it, Paddy? Albeit a very good start, but that's proven to be almost a bit of a, a red herring. The rest of it at the end of last season and this run that we're in at the moment is nothing short of abysmal. Six wins out of 24. Yeah, and that will ultimately do for David Wagner. But, um, you know, even in, even in the, the very specific stream of Stuart Webber's Remit, which is appointing head coaches, he's got Farker right. Did he get Dean Smith right? Did he get David Wagner right? Um, no, is the answer. So, and and in terms of the, and again, it all comes back to a sense that they lost their way as a as a football club because you're drawing up a, a profile of head coach, and the first one he went for 
when he was fresh in the door, Daniel Farker. That's not Dean Smith. That's not David Wagner. And from it's that, it's lurching, isn't it? It's lurched in styles, yeah. in profiles. It's 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 all over the place. I mean, really, you know, you look at it, and at the point that David, sorry, at the point that Daniel departed, around about this this time two years ago, it feels now increasingly as as more and more distance gets put between it, and we look at the body of. Um, decisions that have been made and the direction that they've tried to take the football club that almost they, there was a rejection under that model um, and, and this type of head coach playing that style of football with the quality of player that they could feasibly attract in terms of the finances slash develop their own they were never going to succeed in the Premier League so they had to do something different and that essentially has coloured everything subsequently that's why Dean Smith was brought in because he was seen to be somebody who'd been over the course and distance in the Premier League and could keep them up. That was the brief. Clearly, they felt, you know, this is a guy. And by hook or by crook, however he does it, you know, that'll do for us. It didn't happen. Then, of course, you locked into him in the Championship. It didn't happen in the Championship. And and then you twist again. And um, and, and obviously, David Wagner, given their, their previous association um, and what he'd achieved at Huddersfield, in terms of the, the similar brief, can you get a team out of the Championship and get him into the Premier League and keep them there? He had that on his CV, so they've gone that route. But, you know, it clearly hasn't Should worked. they have looked at his last two jobs, though, Paddy? I know, I know there's lots of mitigation at Schalke, but he got sacked from, from both of his last two jobs in similar circumstances. Schalke was a terrible, uh, I think it might have been 16, possibly even 18 games without a win that did it for him there. And I know he's spoken about, and we've spoken about, the the mitigation of, of all sorts of shenanigans going on behind him. But ultimately, there was a team there that, uh, very similar actually, got themselves into a really poor run and it, he, he was unable to, to find the tools or the solutions to, to turn it around. Young Boys was was slightly different, but he still got sacked from from that post having underperformed. You could weigh it up and say, really, he, he got the Norwich City job based on a job that he'd done, what, four four years ago now, really? Well, and allied to that, Dean Smith was, was in post a week after he'd been dismissed by Aston Villa. So... You wouldn't say his stock was particularly high. Um, you know, we're not party to, to the thought process that Stuart Webber undertook in both of those managerial searches, but clearly those should have been factors that were in the mix. Um, how much weighting you attached to it or not is another matter. But the fact that he went ahead and appointed, though, I mean, we know as soon as, because of the way it's, you know, subsequently came out, that as soon as Dean Smith, I think it was, if I've got it right, I think Daniel went on the Saturday that weekend in November. 2021 and I think Dean Smith was gone on the Sunday that's right yeah as soon as Dean Smith departed he was their number one choice there was no other in the field we know we know there was the sort of flirtation with Frank Lampard as we're led to believe and one or two others but Dean Smith was his man so that so there was it, that tells you there wasn't a, a considered process of weighing up all the candidates no that they felt that Dean Smith or Stuart Weber felt Dean Smith was the man it didn't work out and and likewise I guess he could lean into that personal relationship we'd had with David uh, in a very, you know, against the odds story at Huddersfield. But, um, you know, as it's turned out, maybe he should have, as you rightly map out there, Connor, subsequently since David left Huddersfield, it hasn't hasn't gone well for him. And whatever the mitigation, he's you know, f- failed in Germany, if we want to be completely brutally honest. And, yep. and, uh, and, and in terms of the what young boys um, bar was that he had to clear that they deemed he was a failure there. Um, you know, so um, <laughs> as everything in football, it, it, Weber in 1819 was, could do no wrong. He was, 
a footballing visionary who'd almost reinvented the wheel and, um, you know, coveted probably by much bigger clubs um, as somebody who was redefining his craft. A very still, in that period of English football, still quite a, a new novelty slash phenomena. You know, the sporting director, the technical director, he was he was seemingly put on a pedestal as this is this is what clubs in England now need to aspire to. We roll it on, and um, his legacy and his personal brand is is far more bruised than it was two years ago, and that's just the nature of decisions that he has made that he will have to live and fall by. Um, that clearly, in Norwich's context, haven't haven't worked out because here we are, seventeenth in the championship. That with a with an aging squad. Um, Yes, we know all about the infrastructure legacy that he will leave at Colney, and no one can dispute that. But but even in terms of developing younger talent, unless there's some some real good cohorts coming through at much younger age groups, it, it doesn't feel that there's a, a conveyor belt ready to pop into the first team anytime soon. So, you know, and and even if there was, well, they get opportunities because you know ahead of them now is a bit of a logjam of, of rather senior, experienced professionals and and. Uh, it, it, as I say, it just feels increasingly that, you know, we've had, I mean, there's talk that we're in a holding pattern now. It feels like we may have been in a holding pattern from the moment Daniel Farker was dismissed, really, in terms of what Norwich are, what they stand for, what they're striving to achieve. Um, and, you know, we, we are, we are now going to move forward in, in a new era by dint of it's Stuart Weber leaving the, leaving the field and, and Ben Napper coming in. But, uh, you know, he has he has such a challenge, um, really, to 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 get this club on the up again because um, you know clearly if you speak to and we don't need to go to the the sharpest of social media parts of the spectrum with the Norwich fan base who who are very kind of as we know in certain respects um, reactionary in, in their viewpoints. I mean, I, I think even if you were to to speak maybe to the more measured parts of the Norwich fan base, you know, and, and the, maybe the ones who just go to Cairo and just want to enjoy watching their team play and and, and are not, you know, it's not the fractiousness that, that maybe you, you get in certain elements of social media. But, but even those people, I think, would say hand on heart that, you know, they're not enjoying watching their team play and haven't done for two years or more. And, um, you know, it was interesting, I spoke to a colleague here earlier and he said that his father, who'd been a long-standing season holder, isn't anymore. He was at the recent Birmingham game, which was, you know, a rare Carra Road win in this recent period. He said that was the first time he'd seen Norwich win at home since before the pandemic. And, um, you know, that's that's just not acceptable, really. Um, you know, for, for, for a club, without any sense of entitlement, but Norwich should be better than 17th in the Championship. Far better. For, for a club who've, who've had... Their, their their successes in recent times and have had exposure to the Premier League and all that comes with it in terms of the finances, you know, to 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 now be presiding over a club of seventeenth, that's mismanagement from top to bottom. And it's not just on Stuart Webber, that's mismanagement across the board. Well, this is this is what I was going to come up to really, because we, we can talk about David Wagner and we can talk about that decision and we'll maybe come back to to it in a moment because there's there's some kind of stuff that I, I, I want to speak about around that but um this has to go right to the top of the football club doesn't it because and, and you've got change at that level as as well and I don't think anyone's kind of disputing that but 
I think it's fair to say at most football clubs, dare I say all football clubs, in, in not maybe not all, but certainly the vast majority of, would somebody who has resigned in March still be in post six months later, having overseen a, a really important transfer window uh, and basically says, well, I'll leave on my terms when I when I say I'm going to leave? Or would they, you know, would, and I get obviously there's a process that you have to replace them and, and whatnot, but would that be allowed to happen? Um, would there be this kind of situation, as you said, where even if it's a perception, where this perception of limbo is, it, it, it exists, where this um, period of, of, or this perception of indecision is allowed to exist as well? Ultimately, cultures are set right at the top. So does this have to go on Norwich City's current majority shareholders and the people who, who ultimately have the say and, and pick the people who are appointed at this football club? Are, are they culpable for partly some of this mess that Norwich City find themselves in at the moment? Well, I mean, yes, in, in a nutshell. I, I mean, on the specific point of, can I think, I can't think of any club, certainly at the top end of the English game, that would have had a scenario whereby essentially the, the day-to-day footballing figurehead, which is what he is and has always been, mm-hmm frames when he's going how he's going what it looks like and communicate does, does he have just just on a separate point but does does he have enough credit in the bank to do that do you think i think it's a bit different two or three years ago but given everything that's transpired subsequently last season with the whole club underperformed by the you know they wanted a top two finish they finished 13th does he have enough credit in the bank to 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 do that and to say that should he have enough credit in the bank to say and and do that well i mean it's um it's a difficult one to answer that but but I think what you have is is kind of this is the byproduct of the relationship that is developed between Stuart Webber primarily Delia and Michael. You know when it, when it first came together, and and he then had the success that he that he he, he subsequently had. Um, it's hard to underestimate or overestimate just what uh, um, a job those two felt. He achieved, you know, the financial turnaround, the the brand, the football, um, the winning element of the football. You know, two titles at Championship level. The, as I say, the first Premier League season, albeit it ended in failure, but there were there were signs there that okay, well, if we go down and come back again, we'll 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 be better equipped next time around. I mean, all of that, you know, and it flows into what I said earlier. You know, not just within Norwich circles, but within English football. 17, 18, 19, 19, 20, that period, Stuart Webber was put on a pedestal within the game as this is a, a groundbreaking uh, individual uh, in terms of the position he occupies in, in, a, in a high level English football club and the achievements that he's brought from a pretty poor hand that he received, you know, a, a squad that was well past its sell by date infrastructure that was tired and dated and and financially um you know really in a, a pretty desperate place to to from that raw material to achieve what he did you know i know for a fact because I, I, both observing them at close quarters how they interact with each other that, and and speaking to people in and around the football club that his his star could not have been higher in the eyes of Delia and Michael and i think that Relationship, despite as you say, quite rightly, the, the trajectory has has alarmingly dipped. I think that that is at the core of this. That um, you know, I'm not saying it's gratitude from either party. Although Stuart has often talked about the debt he felt to those two to initially give him that opportunity, and then back in maybe after that first season, which 
it's worth reiterating, wasn't a very successful season. 15th, was it? And below Ipswich, you know, they stuck with him. He's spoken about that subsequently, that that, that could have been the point where they turned around and said, you've had a season, this isn't really working. We're, we're going to go in a different direction. But they backed him again, as they did initially when they went out and headhunted him. So, you know, it's it's hard to underestimate how, how deep that relationship is, that interpersonal relationship, not just uh employer slash owner of a football club and an employee is far deeper than that. And and to the point where I think they've always had this understanding that Stuart would be very hands-on in terms of the handover, in terms of the transition. He said himself he never would leave them in the lurch. Um, he would never leave them kind of, I'm here today, I'm gone tomorrow. And that's obviously bled into how we've got this contractual situation that's been put in place whereby he could go to them in March, say, no, this is this is me done now. I'm checking out. But uh, obviously, I'm here for the next 12 months or at least for, for as long a portion of that as you need to find a replacement. And and then even then, even now, where we find ourselves that he's willing to, contrary to that report earlier today, you know, hang around beyond Ben Napper's arrival for, for whatever period of time they feel they need to work together to, to pass the baton on. So all of that is very unusual dare I say it unique in English football so you know you, you can you can argue the rights or the wrongs of it at the minute it feels like as I say it's just contributed to the sense of somebody make a decision somebody get a handle on this and uh, and let's move the dial let's not you know um, dance around it um, because the product on the pitch requires some urgent surgery and and some radical decisions I think but uh that's why we are where we are, I think, because, you know, the seeds of this are in what he achieved, given the free reign he was given by Delia and Michael from 17, 18 onwards. That's why we're at this situation, um, rather than, you know, why have they allowed it to get to this point? I think it's just a continuation of a relationship which, you know, even now, even for all the the, the failure that, that has, has unfolded on the pitch, particularly, um, you could argue in, in terms of recruitment as well, um, that that they still believe very much so that um, you know they they believe Stuart Weber is is the right person to to manage this process. So this comes back to the the point that I think a lot of Norwich fans are, are getting at, which is if David Wagner has to go, who who gets rid of him? Well, I mean, if it's in, if it's in, if it's this side of Ben Napper's uh, official start date, then it'll be Stuart Webber overseeing that with Neil Adams, with sign off from from all the board, um, and uh, and it was Stuart Webber with Neil Adams with the board uh, who would have to put a plan in place, whether it's an interim holding situation while they conduct another managerial search. But let's be honest, I mean, you know, Ben Ben Napper will be the one who inherits that. So this idea that he'd have no input into a head coach cycle ending and a new one starting is, is you know, for the birds, really. I mean, that would be, <laughs> that's the most important decision that he will have to get right. It was the most important decision that Stuart Webber had to get right when he first walked in the door. And boy, did he get it right when he recruited Daniel Fargo because from that and their personal chemistry, everything else flowed outwards. Um, so, you know, there's no doubt about it that um, if they're looking to make a change, then there will have to be some input from Ben Napper and what that looks like. And, and, and if there's a contractual element in terms of his exit from Arsenal, why it has to be November the 27th, 
we can only go on the, the point that was put directly to David Wagner uh, on Friday. You know, is is in the current situation, Ben Napper's start date been brought forward? And, and he said, to the best of his knowledge, that wasn't the case. He talked about him still being on holiday and needing to recharge his batteries and looking forward to working with him from the 27th onwards. But as you said, events, dear boy, events. And, um, you know, if, if David is still in charge against Blackburn, and I don't wish wish this on him, but if, if the result and the performance is more of the same, then what's the reaction going to be of 22, 23,000 fans at Cow Road here on Sunday? Um, their hand will be forced, I'm sure. And, and, and if that is the case, then where do you go from there? Because technically Ben Napper still isn't started his new role. So, um, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to envisage. I, I know about, as I say, that his official start date is that, but it is hard to envisage that in the here and now, in both now, this side of Blackburn, and certainly if, if it was still David Wagner in charge post-Blackburn, that he isn't involved in a more active role with what the thinking is in terms of Stuart Webber and Neil Adams and, and the rest of the, the power brokers in the respect of the head coach situation. And, and just to draw a parallel, I think, to, to a different situation to prove that Norwich City can can sack head coaches in managers um, in, in these type of situations. I, I keep coming back to the Alex Neal situation when when he was sacked. I mean, at that point, Norwich didn't have a sporting director. They were preparing themselves for for a lot of change. Maybe a slightly different situation in terms of they had a... Uh, well, they didn't... I don't, I don't think they did have a CEO at that point, did they? But, I think you might uh, have had balls from memory. It, Sorry yeah. if, you, if you're watching listening, but I'm pretty sure he was, he was the one who had to... Uh... Maybe that's, with one or two others. Yeah, that's, that's what I mean. But they didn't, they didn't have a sporting director, but they knew they were going to go to that model. Neil Sacking was part of moving to that to, to that model. So so they have been in sort of this position before where they're gearing up for change and removed head coaches, stroke managers. So, um, yeah, I think that there is a precedent to it. And just looking ahead to, to, to Blackburn next Sunday, Paddy, because until we're told otherwise, it'll be David Wagner in, in, in the dugout. Um much with Dean Smith, really, does there become a humane point to all of this? Is it is it right? Is it fair? Is it necessary even to make David Wagner have to go through that? Because it, it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't feel like it. I mean, given what you said there earlier about him looking pretty broken and and whatnot, and of course, there's an element of control. He could decide to remove himself from that situation. Of course, he could. But realistically, in this day and age, we don't see managers do that. And quite frankly, why why should they um, when when there's a financial element attached to it? But is that is that a good a fair thing to do? Given the atmosphere will will be the atmosphere. We all know what it's going to be like. It's not going to be nice, particularly if if Norwich go a goal down, which is entirely plausible the way they're playing at the moment. Maybe even two down, um, and then it, it becomes to a point where it's so toxic, and it's obviously live on TV as well. Does that does that all need to play out? It, it feels to me a little bit unnecessary at this stage. Yeah, no, agreed. Um... And, and on a human level, you know, it, it's hard not to warm to Wagner now. Yeah. And I, and I don't want to draw a parallel with Dean Smith, but in terms of, I think he, he did make great play and it's his natural character anyway, anyway to repair those very damaged bridges with the fan base and, and, and managed to do that in the first part of his reign and, and certainly the start of this season as well, that I think, I think they did feel a closer connection to their football club and, and their team on the pitch. Um, and he was front and centre of that process. But that won't insulate him and hasn't done now. I mean, even the thousand fans or so at Sunderland on Saturday, you, you could hear the Wagner out chants towards the end. We heard them towards the end at Carrow Road in the, the last couple of games. So 
He is he is the visible, sadly for him, the visible representation of all that is wrong with this football team and this this season from a Norwich perspective right now. So, yeah, there's no doubt he will. He will if he's in the dugout and things aren't going well. Um, you have to face that on a probably greater volume than than so far. I, I don't. I, I'd be amazed if we get to the the vitriolic element of the Dean Smith and coincidentally Blackburn home game. If you remember, I know Luton was the game that did for him on on that Boxing Day, but the game before that was the the tipping point really. When I I don't recall in all the time I've been going to Caroda an outpouring of real genuine anger directed towards a head coach as it was filtered towards Dean Smith on that particular occasion. I, I don't think we'd get, even in the current downward turn, I, I don't think we'll get there with David Wagner this weekend if, if that scenario sadly played out. But um, but I think it, it will do, do, do for him in terms of if they lose the game because the reaction will be sufficiently negative that they will have to be seen in terms of City's top brass, a reaction to that. It won't be enough to, you know, circle the wagons, uh, let it blow over a few days and then roll on to Cardiff away and then into an international period. I, I think, um, I mean, it feels like it's, as, as to go right back to the start of this discussion, we're at the end of the line with David Wagner anyway, and it's just the when rather than the if. Um, you know, but for reasons around, you know, what does a replacement look like? Is there a plan in place for that in terms of an interim situation? How long will it take to put that in place? Uh, the Ben Napa dimension that we've discussed in the last segment, maybe even the Atanasio and the American dimension, and in terms of the joined-up strategy that needs to come together now over the coming days, that might all ensure that you know we, we roll into Blackburn and it is David Wagner still in charge. So, but on a purely human level, I, I mean, even yesterday, you know. And the last recent media sort of conferences we've had with him, at no point has he shied away from, you know, I'm the front man, I take the blame, criticise me, I understand it, I deserve it, I merit it because the results and performances haven't been good enough. And, you know, there's there's been no, I don't get any sense that he's tried to pull the wall over people's eyes or, you know, hide behind, you know, well, we're out sergeant without Barnes, what do you expect kind of thing? You know, he's... He's tried to do what he feels is right in terms of his team selections and setups and, and the way he's gone about it. It hasn't proven to be the case. As we've said earlier on, let down, I think, by certainly experienced senior players, you know, the catalogue of individual errors on this run. Really, it's hard for any coach to sort of manage your way through that if you've got players who can't do the basics right and making poor decisions at key moments in games. Um, but ultimately, he is responsible for setting the tone and the direction of travel. And unfortunately it's all in a, a southward direction at the minute. So yeah, it, it, it won't be, it won't be a pleasant experience for him primarily, but for anybody who's at Cairo to have to, to go through. And uh, you know, if you're a fan, I went, go back to what I said earlier, you know, these season ticket holders, the ones who turn up at Cairo, they want to enjoy they want to enjoy. They want to enjoy their team playing. They want. They want to have a release from maybe their own sort of day to day sort of troubles and pressures. You know, job pressures, family pressures, whatever. Um, you're not getting that. You're not getting that from Norwich. If anything, they, they're contributing to the issues. And um, you know, that's not what following your football team should be all about. And if and if that is the case, then then something has has gone wrong, and something is going wrong at that football club. And we can all see it, and um, we could, and it's not an emotional reaction to it. As I say, you know, 
totally uncompetitive second time round in the Premier League, not good enough mid-table obscurity last time in the Championship and now nearer the bottom than they are to the top. Um, the rot has set in and it, and it needs it needs drastic medicine and, and a, an, an acceptance that something has to be done differently and, and a new, new, new course set and, importantly, um, communicated to their fan base because... To give Stuart Weber his, cre- his credit, when he first came in, he understood. And through through us and media outlets like us, you have to, if you're going to take these people on a journey, i.e., your fan base, communicate what that is, what it looks like, and what it feels like. And that there will be tough moments, and it won't be all plain sailing. But the end goal will be rewarding, and it'll be worthwhile. And boy, was it! You know, so Ben Napper, whoever else he brings in and around him, and whoever is potentially the new head coach, understand that. Understand that you need to not only what you're striving to do internally, but message that out and communicate because unfortunately that's something else which has gone by the wayside um, in the recent period. It, it feels like it's gone a little bit better in that direction in maybe recent months, but we, we all know that we've gone through a period where not only was what's going on here, it was also we're not hearing about what's going on here and what they're going to put right and how they're, going, how they're striving to put it right. Um, and that was obviously something which has only magnified and contributed to this feeling of and we used it quite often and and certain elements within inside the football club didn't like the word but but a disconnect yeah and and i think this is a, a really good place to end the pod actually on the on the fans because it was 1100 who, who traveled up to to sunderland yesterday we couldn't actually see them because of of where we were sat we were, they were that high up at the stadium of light that they kind of cut off cut off the away end but we could, we could certainly hear the Wagner chants. I think what we could see essentially was uh, one block, which after the third goal was just stream after stream after stream of Norwich fan walking out of that away end. I've spoken to, to people who were in it. I had family in there. I had friends in there, all of whom have, have said it turned pretty toxic towards the end. Some telling me that they they left early uh, for, for, for obvious reasons. And I think we're, we're in this situation where supporting Norwich City at the moment almost feels like a habit it's it's that I'm not even sure it's hope to be honest and and, and you should always have hope but at the moment that there, there doesn't really feel like any belief that that this can or will change I think there are people genuinely looking at it and okay Norwich might win on Sunday but you know realistically it probably doesn't change much in terms of where they find themselves as a football football club in the same way that um you know changing a head coach probably won't do that and I think they feel as as a, I don't want to speak for all of them. I, I'm, I'm sure there are there are people who who disagree with this sentiment, but there there are there are a majority of them I would say who are deeply unhappy with where. Well, all of them are probably deeply unhappy with where this football club is at this moment in time and and the levels that is dropped and maybe even the drop of standards um, is a correct way to to put it as well. Um, and you're right in terms of the communication. I think there's also an element of not feeling heard and not feeling listened to and. You know, they, they're calling for change and change isn't happening or it's not happening quick enough or um, it's being prolonged and, and, and they're not being spoken about about or spoken to about why those those reasons are. I mean, we're going to have some some sets of accounts pretty soon, which are going to make for, for pretty grim reading. There's very little to get excited about or to cling on to as an Ori City fan at the moment on the pitch or off the pitch. All they've got really is kind of this this unicorn of change in the distance and, and nobody really knows what that looks like or what it feels like. and um, one thing is is for sure is that you know the, the, this football club and these supporters don't expect that this season and and that's the only way that we can measure it but the football club more bright more broadly cannot just be left to drift and to 
and 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 to to fall and to sink and to lower itself to standards that it, that it hasn't been at and you know those those people inside the football club can say they created that expectation with their success Norwich have had success before those people arrived they'll have success again afterwards but at the moment um I, I think the feeling for the fans is that just something has got to give and something has got to change and someone's got to grasp this and this this feeling of drift is is helping nobody and is not helping the football club ultimately um I don't know if you've got a, a final word, Paddy, but it's, it's very difficult to have any sort of optimism at the moment, not to be really, really bleak about it, but I, I genuinely think that's where, where people are at this, at this moment in time until maybe the changes set in and the direction of travel is, is laid out. I mean, it, it feels like we've all got to brace ourselves for what's going to be a pretty long and pretty dark winter. Oh, that's a really, really depressing uh, thought. That is Connor. Thanks for that. Go on, bring some positivity. Um, well, my birthday's in November, so I've got I've got that to look to. But on a purely football, as this is a football discussion, uh, it can change. It can, it can. It, I mean, as as swiftly as it's gone the other way, um, it can change again. And that's not a charter for oh, let's keep doing the same things because because some fundamental things need to change. But but in terms of the trajectory of a football team, of a football season, uh, and then you know where where a club is actually going in terms of the journey it's on. Those things can change, um, but they're only going to change if you get the right people in place with the right outlook and the right cultures. And and as I say, to repeat myself, they communicate what they're trying to do. And I won't talk from a fan perspective, um, but if I was a fan and, and, and I can see something that, I like and that I can row in behind and that is has an endpoint um and an identity and something that is forged through or forged on optimism and excitement then I would give that a chance and and it and it might as as it was when Stuart came in and communicated that it was bumpy it was 15th first time round it was is this really working uh, it was below Ipswich and they'll be below Ipswich again sadly uh, this season and uh but it but it turned it turned very quickly in the start of that second season and um and then what a what a you know what a stratospheric rise it was there so you ca- you can turn things around as a football club but um but it needs something radically different in, in outlook and, and approach and obviously Stuart, sorry Ben Napper is the embodiment of that because he'll be a different face, face sorry a different voice um, a different backstory and he I really hope will communicate uh, you know where he sees this club what his vision of Norwich City is about and we hope that's optimistic and progressive and looking forward uh, which everything in his backstory in terms of how he's made his mark at Arsenal and, and kind of, you know, harnessing the new trends that are in football, the data aspect of it all and, um, you know, technology, that all of that can flow into what he's trying to achieve with Norwich uh, to set them on a path which is upward again and looking up and looking forward rather than, which increasingly what we will do now with Stuart Webber is, wasn't it good back in 1819? Wasn't it good when Daniel Farker had him playing that style of football? Everything is looking backward now in terms of Stuart Webber because he unfortunately is the past. We need need now as as a football club, as a fan base, I'm sure, to to look to the future. That's gone. That will 
have its own place in history, rightly. People can judge the overall impact Stuart Webber had, some good, some bad, some indifferent. But but that's that's the previous chapter. Now it's all about what's to come. And uh, and, and if it is short-term pain for long-term gain, then as long as that's communicated correctly, then let's see if the Norwich fan base go for that. Indeed. Indeed. Um yeah, what a what a situation, hey! What a situation, and and the, and the only thing I think that we can all be sure about, we, we don't know where this goes or how long this lasts, but one thing that that is for sure, it cannot and and should not go on. Um, thank you very much for for listening. I hope that's been some some well cathartic for you. I think maybe it's been cathartic for us. Uh, we'll of course keep you updated over, over the next week. Should uh, anything um, kick off or change or whatever, uh, I'm not sure that either of us really envisage that right now but things can change pretty quickly as they always do in football and we will bring that to you if that is the case pinkin.com as ever the place to go and you can get all your subscriptions to the pinkin plus there as well thank you very much for listening stroke watching and uh, we'll see you next week for some more norris city fun and games <laughs>